1: You are listening to Be A Man, with your host, Jack Garrity.
2: Hello, everybody. This is Jack Garrity. You are listening to Be a Man, the podcast that talks about expanding our idea of what it means to be a man. And this is our special Mother's Day episode. Uh, We're a day late because I was too busy celebrating my mom yesterday. (laughs) So we're doing this on Monday, the day after we usually do. And as a special treat to everyone, um, and also part of my Mother's Day gift is to have my mom on to talk to. Um, hi, mom. Hi. Hi. Uh, everyone, this is my mom. I've talked to her. I've talked about her a few times. I think she's probably the show's f- biggest fan. Uh, she's probably given me half of my audience just through <laughs> uh, just mailers. She'll send out uh, mail In Envelopes, she does that whole like politician thing where she has a crew with her and sends out little junk mail things and people just sign up to the podcast (laughs) that way. And, uh, she's the unpaid intern. She's the unpaid producer and show runner that every good show needs. Uh, she's Linda Garrity and, um, a speech pathologist, a mother, a... A jewelry maker, a photographer. She started a new business as a retirement uh, project. What's the name of your company, mom?
3: Touchstone Creations by Linda. Nice. I'm on Instagram and Facebook.
2: <laughs> all right. All right. We already plugged it enough. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, uh, I'm happy to see you doing that because I know you're a creative person. I think I got I got a lot of that from your side, um, the creative itch. I think I got, I had to have gotten some of it from dad, but dad wouldn't really admit it, I don't think. I think I've heard dad say he couldn't draw like a stick figure to save his life or something. I, I don't believe that. I just think it's, he, he hasn't tried. He's a math and science and data person. He loves data, loves reading infographics.
3: He's very right brained.
2: Yeah. And yeah. we are the left brain. I would actually say. I mean, I'm, I'm
3: sorry. He's left brains. I'm sorry. I mixed oh, that up. He's left brained.
2: Right. Left-brained. right. Um,
3: yeah. You are the right brained one.
2: I would say I have a bit of left brain in me too, because I do like organization. And I, even though I'm not super organized all the time, but I like when things are organized. And math uh, was one of my favorite subjects in school. Did well in math and loved That's science. That's from the right brain. Oh.
3: <laughs> music and math are typically from oh, in the okay. right brain.
2: Interesting. Yeah. Oh, the languages of math and music. Okay. I yeah. can see a correlation there. But I thought, okay, I was thinking more that like math and mu- uh, math and science would be kind of on the same mm-hmm. side. But anyway, I'm um, a combination of you both. And um Yeah. I want to ask you about, uh, raising, raising children, (laughs) specifically boys. We, there's, uh, my older sister, Kate, who's been on the podcast. Um, actually now, now everyone in my family will be on the podcast after this interview, which is cool. Um, but we have our older sister, Kate, and then me as the middle child and my younger brother, Aiden. So a lot of these questions I think are going to focus on the boys because be nice. I'm I'm interested to learn about that dynamic and actually also compare it to what it was like to raise a girl but um when when you were first pregnant
0: mm-hmm.
2: were what was the primary feeling you had were you mostly scared you were so you were 29 years old right
3: when i was pregnant with kate yeah Yes. So I, I had Kate, um, I became pregnant when I was 28. I had her when I was 29.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what was your primary feeling there? It was probably fear, Um, right? That seems like the rational,
3: Well, you know, more just, you know, not fear, I would say it was just anticipation and and wondering and questioned, you know, would Mm. it be a boy or girl? And what would my child be like? And um, at at the time your dad was in residency. So, and he was working about a hundred hours a week. Mm. So I knew that I was gonna be the primary caregiver at the time. So um, it was also that factor. Um, Mm. And, you know, thinking about having to go back to work because I definitely had to go back to work after I had her. So those kinds of, how soon did
2: you go back to work after you had Kate?
3: Six weeks. Um, So, um, and we were lucky to find uh, a nanny right across the street from us. So Mm -hmm. and I only worked about a mile from our house. So I was able to Walk to work and then come home and um, and feed her at lunchtime and then we'll go back to work. And, this was in upstate uh,
2: New York in Hartwick. Yes. Yep. Um, right. I remember meeting the that nanny. I we, I mean we don't have to say her name. She did but
3: babysit. She did babysit you a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I definitely
2: we- remember visiting her, um, yeah. like just to say hi. So and she obviously Doris. made a yeah. Um, I was going to leave that up to you if you wanted to share her name, but I definitely remember yeah. that she was always a very pleasant, pleasant lady.
3: She, yeah. She loved Kate. She was wonderful. Like a grandmother.
2: Yeah. So yeah. after, after raising Kate for like two and a half years, and then you learned you're going to have a boy.
3: Well, I you... didn't learn I was gonna have a boy until I had you. Oh, cool. Is
2: that yes. due to lack of technology or was that just now, your choice?
3: Our choice. So for all of our kids, we chose not to know what.
2: Uh, I say that as if I guess ultrasounds. I we avo-
3: avoided the gender reveal disasters that, uh, yeah, <laughs> that have seemed to be occurring. Um, People are but, like um, dying. <laughs> it's very, <laughs> it's an odd trend. but One of
2: the uh, fires <laughs> was started by one of those parties, right? Yes. In California. <laughs>
0: exactly. I laugh,
2: but it's horrific. Um, it is. Uh, I, I asked that question uh, due to lack of technology as if there weren't ultrasounds back in 1990 and you wouldn't be able to tell if there was a boy or girl. Uh, yeah. but, so that was just your choice. You didn't want to learn.
3: Yeah, they offered to let us know, but we didn't want to know.
2: <clears throat> wow. that adds a whole other... So, um, yeah. You can be honest. Would you have preferred a second girl or were you kind of looking for the balance
3: no, of we, a boy? We wanted... Whatever was given to us. <laughs> oh, that's the right answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it correct. was great that, you know, we had a girl and a boy at first and um, you know, but it would have been okay either way.
2: Yeah. How about the how about the second boy? At that point, you definitely have an opinion.
3: No, or truly, we, we just wanted a healthy baby. Okay. We truly just wanted a healthy baby.
2: Um, so. so, how soon after the second boy was born did you regret having a second boy?
3: We d- we never ever <laughs> regretted having. I'm
2: a not second trying boy. to put words in your mouth. I just
3: <laughs> I've seen how boys boy.
2: I've seen how boys interact, and uh, they're psychotic.
3: Yeah, you know, no, young, I, young you know, boys, I should say, um, you know, it's interesting because some people say, Oh gosh, a girl, I wouldn't want to raise a girl. You know, a lot of people that I talk to who have just boys, Oh gosh, I wouldn't want to raise a girl. It's too much work. You know? Um, and I found that, you know, I, I just didn't, obviously there were differences in, um, some differences, uh, be amongst you but it had more to do with your personalities Mm. rather necessarily i think than your gender um or your sex i should say um
2: because typically you hear that girls um i should say boys i've heard as young children are very rambunctious and girls can be kind of more observe um, observant. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's across the board, but you hear, I just heard some parents talking about it that way. And, uh, they're more, um, they, they go, they go about socializing in very different ways. And well, I know like, that's not going to be clear cut like boys and girls, but that's like,
3: yeah. And certainly, Um, now is different than when um, you guys were growing up. But, um, you know, Kate was the uh, kind of child that you could sit her down in front of toys and she would occupy herself for hours. She would just play on her own and she was very happy to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, You, however, were... um, uh, you were a busy boy, <laughs> so um, we could put, you know, toys in front of you, but, um, which you would play with briefly, but then you were up at Adam, you know, you were, you were the kid who was climbing up, um, you know, monkey bars and, and swings, you know, when you were like one and a half, two years old, so... Wow. Um, you were—we definitely called you our climber.
2: I um, loved climbing when I was a kid. I remember like being all over trees.
3: Oh, you would climbed anything and, and everything. Yeah, yeah, I which loved was it. very harrowing. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> but you know, I think that that was—you uh, know—you became a um, someone who was very aware of, um, you know, one of your skills, certainly in sports and, and kind of analyzing athletes and sports. um, I think that uh, you were able to see and analyze, uh, you know, motion and, and um, uh, perspective and body movement. And, and so a lot of that exploring and climbing and all of that Mm -hmm. and your fine motor control all of that I think you know kind of made you who you are and I think also helped in terms of your you know uh, visual spatial skills and you know your um, your um, strength in art and um, craft and all of that I think that really contributed to that so
2: that's a really interesting correlation of like connecting essentially climbing and being like I was really into sports but also loved art and always going to art classes growing up you always had me in some art class yeah and like those there's overlap there and I've I guess I've tried to figure out what that is and often I just think of like I just have so much energy
0: Mm-hmm.
2: being, and it's a lot of creative energy. So it's either I can be creative with my physical body playing sports, or I can be creative with my mind or word with words or painting or drawing or right. like making furniture or whatever. But um, yeah, that spatial awareness, I never really considered the, like the yeah. that dynamic.
3: And I think, you know, you're certainly your preschool teachers saw it early on you definitely had um, you had uh, an innate ability in terms of art that they thought that other children they didn't necessarily see in some other children so I
2: I remember you telling me that story of like I drew a tree with a bunch of animals that I stamped onto the branches and then I stamped the animals first and then I drew the tree around it. And you guys thought that was weird.
3: Yeah. So you had like a branch that you had found and that was the tree trunk. So you had put that on the page.
2: I used to like glue sticks to paper all the time. Yes, I that Exactly.
3: Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, so you, you glued the this, this stick to the page to make the tree trunk. And then there were animal stamps and you stamped the animals in different places um, and, and then you drew the branches of the trees to mm-hmm. um, to go along with where you had put the animals. And um, so that was one example. Um, but then I always tell the story about how, you know, you were like around four and I was making a ba- bagels and I, asked you, um, you know, Jack, do you want a bagel? And you said, yeah. So I said, well, how would you like it? Meaning toasted, not toasted with butter, with cream cheese. And you said, could I have a circle with a line through it? And I said, you want me to cut it in half? And you said, yes. (laughs) So obviously you saw that bagel totally differently than I saw the bagel. (laughs) um and and,
2: therein lies the challenge of (laughs) of figuring out how the hell to communicate because if you're like (laughs) how do you want your bagel and I'm (laughs) like a circle with a line through it like
3: (laughs) well as soon as you said that though I knew exactly what you meant Uh so um I see yeah yeah yeah. it's like
2: a very abstract way of thinking of
3: (laughs) (laughs) I mean it was I mean Yeah. Kids
2: also are obsessed with how bread is sliced. So that's where my priorities were. Like (laughs) triangle, like slicing like a PB&J with two triangles was very important. Right. Sometimes it just tasted better to have it that way.
3: Rather than rectangles. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. (laughs) That was my preoccupation.
3: You were also, um, when I would pick you up from preschool, you would Um, be kind of wound up. Mm -hmm. And so I gave you um, a choice in the car, you could sit and listen to music, you could read a book, or you could just sit quietly. And so that was your choice for like 15 minutes, you had to do one of those things, or, or all of them, whichever, but, you know, you, you shouldn't, I wanted you to make a choice. And that was kind of your decompression time, so it kind of wind you down a little bit. And one day, I totally forgot what um, you know to ask you what you wanted, and um, you said, um, "Mom, could I listen to some music?" And I said, "Well, sure." And and you said, "Could I listen to some jazz music?" So you were five. <laughs> So I was like, okay, yeah. You like some John jazz. Coltrane. Right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, um, I remember yeah. really being into jazz. Don't know where I picked that up.
3: Yeah, I, I, jazz. I mean, I, I would pick a jazz station that was like a cool jazz station, you know, so calming jazz. So I think you became over um, time. You, I think, recognized that that fifteen minutes helped you to kind of regulate yourself, mm-hmm. and to and to um, it felt like you had more control. I think, and that's yeah. I think why you chose, you know, chose that. But
2: yeah, I yeah. think I still need those fifteen minutes of deep depression. <laughs> yeah, not how much has changed. Um, I remember you you bringing that up. I I was thinking of that recently um, and I just remember you providing me those options. And I just imagine that like with a hyperactive child, like myself, I just remember being just, I've always just been wound with like so much energy that I can't really place all the time. So I remember you presenting me with those options and thinking like, that's a really good idea. That way you find the options for the kid you give them choices so it seems like they can kind of do what they want but they Mm -hmm. can only do the things you've (laughs) given them the option for (laughs) so they're they're they do get a choice and i feel like i have a bit of freedom there but like it's only going to be one of those three things (laughs) and i remember you also doing that with me like once i got home um there was another time i remember you presenting me with like you can play power pete which is that awesome video game on the computer <laughs> yeah. or you can sit or you can like probably listen to music or whatever, but yeah. Um, did yeah. You- so
3: no, I was just going to say, you know, you're um, you know, in terms of boy versus girl, I mean, Aiden, I think personality wise was very much more like Kate. So he, you know, he was not as busy as you were and he was able to be entertained kind of on his own. And, um, and was not, you know, um, I wouldn't call you hyperactive though. I, but, you know, even from the time you were an infant, you know, I would, I would, um, get you to sleep in my arms and I would put you down and you would immediately wake up. So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah, so it it was just something how you were born and, you know. um.
2: Yeah, well, for example, I like was um, this just like very active kid, like just kind of wound up all the time. And I remember, I mean, Kate and Aiden were always just really good students. And I remember Aiden uh, doing like math problems and these gigantic books that mm-hmm. was like what he did for fun <laughs> do you remember those books they were huge books and they had like math problems and like little uh tests and quizzes for him to do and like puzzles and he just did those I all the time
3: those. I don't remember those I don't remember
2: and uh I just remember running into the woods and like whacking sticks against the tree to see the thickest <laughs> branch I could snap in half um but back and you to,
3: were also a good student so
2: Yeah I I don't think I had like a ton of focus at times but um I had it within me I had potential
3: Yeah
2: potential is <laughs> a scary word it means that there's a potential to also leave that potential unfulfilled This is true Um back to the spatial um uh stuff we were talking about with like basically play Mm-hmm. Which I think is, I, Aiden and I talked about um, on the episode I had him on when we were talking about growing up together and playing in the backyard and stuff. Mm-hmm. We talked about how awesome it was just to play in the backyard and how mm-hmm. that was so formative <laughs> and oh,
3: absolutely
2: is like probably the number one reason for me to be nostalgic about my childhood having the backyard and the barn and the weird shape to our yard and the fence that said electric fence on it, you know, and um, even though it wasn't electric anymore and we had that huge forest behind us and we had the swing set and there was like, we were just in the woods getting poison ivy and (laughs) building forts and stuff. And I just remember you and dad. When, Like on the weekend, if it was nice out, you guys just like, get the hell out of the house and go outside. Just go outside.
3: And- yeah, I would give you guys a, um, uh, when I wanted you out of the house, we had the wild blueberry bushes outside in the backyard. And I would give you a red solo cup. And of course, the, the wild blueberries are much smaller than, than mm-hmm. other ones. And so I would give you a red solo cup and I'd say, go fill this cup up for me. And I would let have you go outside and I would lock the door. <laughs> and then you would come back and you would show me how much you had gotten. And of course it was only like an inch worth of blueberries. Yeah. I said, Oh, that's not enough. You have to go back. You have to
2: go deeper to the woods.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah. Like the that, endless that an endless project. Yeah. But.
2: Yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, that property was great too because we had the barn. It was like an old horse stable, right? Yeah, they had horses there, so we yeah. had the the barn in the back, which we never really went into, but like, um, we stored all like the yard games and stuff there. And then we had a little shed, the playhouse, mm-hmm. right? Which we did. Oh my gosh, we spent so many hours in there. It was this mm-hmm. adorable little shed with like two swinging windows, and um, yeah, the playset and. Had a driveway with a basketball hoop. I mean, you have those things. That's like for a kid, that's luxury. Yeah, absolutely. That's like you can have a whole childhood in a backyard like that.
3: And um, then you had the path down to the cul-de-sac so yeah. you could play with your neighbors. And, and that's, that's, what's a lot of, um, you know, a, a lot of kids nowadays are having issues with, um, with executive functioning skills. They're having difficulty with um, problem solving and planning and organizing. And uh, um, according to um, some literature, one of the reasons is because their social activities now are much more planned than mm. they used to be when um, kids were growing up. So. You know when if you're playing with your neighbors on the street and it's just kind of a, you know a pickup game of some sort or whatever you're playing. If you're picking teams, you have to you have to make decisions and you have to plan and or if you're deciding on the rules, you have to be able to negotiate with other, with other kids. And yeah, for sure. So, so that's a lot of what kids are missing. They're missing those kinds of skills and the problem solving skills that come with, you know, um, figuring out games and, you know, winning, losing all of that. So you guys were very lucky that you were able to kind of do those things and do your own thing, you know?
2: Yeah, I totally agree. I, I, I I think maybe everyone feels this way, but I feel so lucky to be born when I was because I was born before like the internet mattered. I was born before the iPhone was invented. So I remember recording music on my boombox onto cassette tapes off the radio and listening mm-hmm. to the Kiss 108 Top 10 every night with Casey Kasem. And if there was a new song, I would make space for it on the tape or get the tape to a spot where the next song began that I wanted to get, I was willing to get rid of. And I would record, (laughs) you know, that sort of thing. Um, it was just more of an analog lifestyle where, um, I, I just think the biggest thing is, is play just getting out there and having to negotiate with kids. We were always getting in fights over like the silliest games, but we'd always come back the next day and play Mm -hmm. and figure it out, figure out how to work together and always looking for more kids to play with too. I even remember organizing, um, like a pickup, uh, baseball game with some of my friends and we all went down. Um, that was my dream. My dream was like to get, have enough kids in my neighborhood where I could just play pickup. We just go down to the local field and just play pickup baseball. Mm -hmm. Um, and we didn't really have the numbers for that um, right where we lived, but otherwise we had, we had enough kids around us to like, just, we'd walk over and we'd like peer in their front door (laughs) and like ring the doorbell and ask if they were home and hopefully they were home. And we'd be like, all right, what's the plan? What are we going to do today? Mm -hmm. And you just,
3: yeah. What, when I, you know, working with kids, I, I always tell parents that, especially very young children that, you know, play is a child's work and you have to um, let them play and figure it out on their own. You know, certainly you can um, kind of guide them, but, you know, letting them play, not being on videos all the time. Um, and um, that's how they learn, you um, about life. That's how they learn language. Um, So it's uh, really, really important in a kid's life. So yeah, yeah. But Um, I I think in terms of, you know, the three of you. um, Yeah, I mean, certainly, um, I think that really, the differences were more towards personality. And an actual whether you're a boy or a girl you know yeah so but, but you know that
2: i don't know <laughs> no that that's interesting because mm-hmm. um when you when you have three kids the dynamic between boy and girl is it's played on so so often mm-hmm. uh, people talk about like raising boys versus girls and everything and um so it's easy to play on that mm-hmm. pattern. But yeah, when I think of my brother and sister, I see all aspects of people in them. I, mm-hmm. I, it's like very different because I see my, my older sister representing certain things to me and my brother, my younger brother representing other aspects of humanity to me. And it's not always just about being a boy or a girl. It's just like, you just have different roles in a family. You all, you're all trying to find your role. And Mm -hmm. sometimes that's can be defined as like masculine or feminine or whatever. Um, But yeah, Yeah, honestly. And
3: and we were never, um, we always encouraged you in each of the like seasons or athletic seasons to be active, to do something active. Um uh it didn't have to be particular uh, sport per se, um where you were on a team, but it had to be where you just you were you were moving. And that was really more about you know your health and your well-being rather than worrying about whether you were, you know, um gonna be in the majors, you know, in the professional right. leagues. Um, so um, you know, so you guys chose, um, you know, baseball and basketball and soccer um, where Kate um, played basketball a lot, but she, she played soccer initially and then she did ballet um, and then she did basketball. Um, and then when she got tired of ballet, we said, well, you still have to do something. And she yeah. chose tennis. So,
2: well, um, I remember as we got older, you guys would say, well, if you're not going to play a sport, because I think towards the end of high school, some of us started to like, I mean, Kate was primarily playing basketball and I was, mm -hmm. I stopped playing soccer and like Aiden was doing his own thing. So I remember you guys saying you either got to play a sport or like get a job. Essentially. (laughs) That's what it became as we got older. Yeah. So it was was always like, you got to keep active. Mm -hmm. And I think, I definitely appreciate that approach to us filling our time rather than going to school. And then, I mean, you're still a kid, like, you're still figuring out what you're going to do or who you're going to become. So, to not do anything uh, after school seems kind of crazy, you know, not mm-hmm. to like have an activity you're doing that season or that year. It's like you're, yeah. you know.
3: A lot, I mean you, you guys were very lucky though you were in a community and you you know you were able to take advantage of those things that were offered. You had a lot of choices yeah, that you could true. make and there are a lot of kids that out there who don't have that opportunity you know to um, either because it's not available to them or they don't have the wherewithal the money or whatever to yeah. afford it and I mean, so you were very lucky
2: yeah we were very um, very lucky with with so many yeah. things growing up you know not just the familial support but the community and the town we lived in all the opportunities we had it was like it was it was pretty much easy street you could basically you just had to want to do something and you could do it mm-hmm. um, and yeah so that was nice yeah So, trying to figure. I have a wondering where to take this conversation next. Well, okay, before (laughs) because you work with kids now in in your work, so you know you know a little bit uh, about what's going on with kids now. I want to get into that kind of like see if we if there's any differences between what you see in kids now versus when we were growing up. Because um, well, there's a lot of reasons to get into that. But first we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. because that evolved as life went on correct
3: yeah so you know uh, when i grew up you know my uh my dad would um use um well either his hand or a belt to hit when um uh we misbehaved but it was it was not all the time you know it mm-hmm. was it was uh rare but that was the kind of the threat was there you know is this is
2: this on the butt on the face um oh no Stomach?
3: no 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 yeah yeah on the behind basically yeah, yeah. um <clears throat> but honestly i don't maybe i remember one time he did that you know i don't mm-hmm. um Excuse me. And I was, um, I don't remember it happening to my sister. Um, but I.
2: <laughs> what, did she age out of it? Or no, was she just like.
3: No, I don't know. You took I don't, the brunt. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I do know that, you know, I was probably the more um, difficult child of the two. Um, mm. You know, we were almost exactly two years apart but our um parents always had our birthday parties on the same day hmm. so i had to share being the older child um i had to share my birthday with my sister and i was not a happy camper
2: That's a but it's a financial decision it's not a uh,
3: oh yes of course it's not a but as a decision. child you don't understand that absolutely you know?
2: yeah it doesn't matter yeah
3: and I can remember one particular birthday. My, it's not like my dad hit me during the, at this birthday, but I was a real brat. I was so bratty that day. I just, to this day, I remember the just being an absolute terrible, terrible child.
2: Sometimes you got to be a total menace to society. I
3: was. I just did everything I could to be the center of attention that day. You know, whether it was bad or good behavior, I was Mm -hmm. absolutely trying to be. um,
2: I've recognized that quality within myself.
3: That's interesting.
2: Yeah. (laughs) No matter what it takes, I need attention right now.
3: (laughs) Well, that's that's how you were, Jack. Growing up, you were... You know the middle child stirring the pot both ways. It didn't matter, you know, good or bad, No, up or down. It didn't matter who you were, who you were interacting with. You wanted that attention. I had to be
2: heard. So did I deserve to be beaten in those instances?
3: No, no. I mean,
2: do you? Do you think?
3: Do you you think? No, I was just going to ask. Do you remember? I we probably got. I never had a paddle. I never no, had a belt.
2: You, you guys would spank our butt. Not like Yeah,
3: every once in I a while. I do
2: not yeah. remember a single specific spanking. I just remember being chased around by you guys <laughs> and spanking us when we were young. But um But like, mostly what but it, we
3: did was we would count. Remember? We would we would give you a Count the, the slaps.
2: One slap no, for every no. year on earth.
3: <laughs> no. But we would say, okay, I'm going to count to three and you had better be whatever it was, You better be mm-hmm. doing this. Or, and so we would count, you know, one, two. And so most of the time you guys complied with the counting, but I think it was because that there was that threat, you know?
0: But, yeah,
2: I, I remember the count-offs and I, I remember like the threat of it, which yeah. is enough. and. Right like some kids who were beat by their parents can tell you about specific beatings and like weapons. You guys never had weapons. I don't remember no. a single beating. I just remember <laughs> spankings taking place and there the threat of it being there. And yeah. I, like it faded out at some age. I don't even know when, um, but I'm wondering.
3: And it you, wasn't like a spanking where we were, I mean, you know, I wouldn't do it now. Okay. So you you don't
2: you don't think that corporal punishment has a place?
3: No, I don't. I don't think it does. But that's you know, um, I think. um, uh, But I'm not a person who believes you should be negotiating with your child all the time. I think you know, no is a very very no saying no and sticking to no is. a very important, uh, behavior (laughs) for, for parents to use. Um, Not, not
2: caving in because you're, I mean, I I mean, it's a tough thing because I see parents like dragging screaming children on the sidewalk. So the challenge is great, but yeah, yeah, if you cave once, Oh, that kid knows he can break you. And it might be harder to break you next time, but he'll break you.
3: (laughs) Yes. And you know, I, The other story I told is you know, when we were walking through the mall and we went by a KB toy store when they used to be around, and Mm -hmm. you were walking with me, and you, I think you were um, four at the time, and you saw a Power Ranger doll, and you just started yelling and screaming. (laughs) I want a Power Ranger. I want a Power Ranger. The I entire. Love the Power Rangers. Oh, oh, you did. And the entire length of the mall, our car, unfortunately, was all the way on the opposite side of the mall. So we had to walk through the mall to get to the car. And I got all these looks from people. Either they were feeling very sorry for you or for me, or they thought I was the most horrible parent in the world because you were just yelling and, and said, I want a Power Ranger, I want a Power Ranger. And then we we walked through the, the big box store and we walked through the doorway where they had gumball machines. And as we're passing by the gumball machines, you said, I want a Power Ranger, I want a Power Ranger, I want a gumball, I want a gumball. <laughs> So I knew. I just it liked nap- bright,
2: colorful things. Yeah.
3: I knew it was nap time. <laughs> I knew it was nap time. So, yeah. um, but yeah, I, I ignored you the entire way. And I think that was, that was very difficult for me <laughs> to do the entire way through the mall to ignore you. Uh, it
2: um, was, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I, you know, it's funny I when I see kids throwing a fit now, Mm-hmm. in public. I, my only thought is that f- piece of shit kid. God, what an oh. annoying little like vermin. <laughs> they, they don't know enough about the world to know how obnoxious they're being. That parent is like a, is a trooper. Um, and I adore kids and I, I think they're like endless uh, fountain of energy is so entertaining and mm-hmm. so fun Uh, but I still think that they're just like a total terror to parents. And like when they're screaming and crying and, you know, being inconsolable, all I think of is how annoying that child is. I don't, my instinct is not at all to think of like, what is that parent doing? I don't, I don't really know why. I just think I trust if that's their kid, they're doing the best they can Um, Mm -hmm. or they might be a terrible parent. I don't know, but that's my, Assumption. But
3: maybe the child is doing the best they can.
2: But and they don't know enough. Their best well, is terrible.
3: That's that's why the parent is there, right? I mean, to teach them. I so guess. yeah. <laughs> oh wow.
2: Yeah, that's such a good way so, of thinking of it. Yeah. We're all just doing the best we can.
3: We we are. We're trying. Yeah. yeah. Um,
2: okay, what what were what were the greatest challenges that raising two boys presented?
3: as sometimes to, like, it was a just sometimes it was just whose game was going to go to who was going to go to whose game and how are we going to get there and how was i going to make dinner <laughs> like i uh-huh. was like uh, so um but you know i think just um you know i think just uh Having you understand that, um, you know, um, having respect for other people. Um, I mean, we did this with all of you, obviously, you know, um, uh, having respect for other people, having respect for yourselves, um, treating other people, um, you know, with dignity. Um, and um, being safe, making good decisions, you know, just in terms of, um, you know, uh, when you were out with your friends and, and um, making sure that you were, um, you know, not drinking and driving and, and doing drugs and, you know, just trying to um, guide you in that way, um, but you know, that was for all three of you that we, we really mm-hmm. kind of stressed that. So, um, and then, you know, when I think once you started like seeing girls and dating, just, I think, I don't know that we kind of overtly talked about how to, you know, treat girls with respect, but I think that that was the way you were brought up,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
3: to, um, and that was kind of the the role model that we tried to provide you guys. Um, so. It was
2: Yeah, it was generally, there was very little I was confused about in that area. Mm-hmm. And I think for a while I was like, I don't know if you can be too, too respectful, but I was like, um, I had more respect for girls growing up than I, I remember other kids in school having like Mm -hmm. other kids seemed way a lot more comfortable, like teasing girls or being more aggressive with them or,
3: Mm
2: -hmm. um, but um, yeah, I just, I just remember being more polite. In general, when I was like a teenager and everything, I just remember being too nice to everybody. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's changed as time has gone on. And New York has sunk into my loins. But <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, I think you guys just raised us with a certain level of respect. And like, you know, you talk to people politely and, and, you know, Treat other people with dignity and hold yourself with dignity,
3: essentially. Yeah, I mean, and just treat people the way you'd want to be treated. Um, yeah, but I think that, yeah, I think that, that certainly, you know, um, I could see that um, other that girls saw in you and Aiden someone who um you know would treat them with respect and um and you were you know very caring um and i think that you know that's that's uh why they were interested or attracted to you or or drawn to you guys was because well, they were you... attracted
2: to my muscles
3: oh god
2: and my quick wit my superior intelligence and my spatial awareness.
3: Well, there you go. Yeah, that too. (laughs)
2: Um, Well, yeah, I've thought about that a lot because, I mean, uh, so, I mean, I had you, I had Kate in my life. um, And then we spent a lot of time and then we had your, your sister and uh, and her daughter that we'd see from time to time, but we spent a lot of time around dad's family and there's a lot of women on that side. Mm -hmm. And, I just wondered if, like, and and our, you know, dad's mom, um, had a really large impact on me as well. I just think that I was surrounded by a lot of, like, intelligent, um, opinionated women, and, you know, that alone is gonna like teach you things about how to act around around women and how to treat women,
3: right? You know, and uh,
2: especially especially if like you find yourself to be a funny person or whatever, and you're trying to get some wisecracks in, you know, you're not going to be able to get away with certain things in front of that crowd, Mm -hmm. you know? Um,
3: Yeah. And I think that, you know, being, um, um, I think my, uh, working too, you know, I'd work part-time, um, I always felt like that um, gave you guys an understanding of um, uh, you know, that um, um, I don't know that i I had some balance in my life and that there was another part of me
1: mm-hmm.
3: that um, other than being a mom other than being a community, um, activist or, you know, a community, a person who was involved. You were engaged in with
2: local politics and
3: right. Right. Other and, than that, I civic also civic engagements. Right. And, and then all of that, I think, um, helped to give you an understanding of, you know, that there was more to me than just being a mom and, um, But I I think that that's, that's good for, for kids to see that, you know, that their mom has different, um, um, outlets and different interests and different skills and different abilities. Um, and, uh, so that's an important thing.
2: Yeah. We had a clear idea that you were capable of many things and wearing many different hats. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember being you're you've always been like politically engaged or um, is that how you'd say it? Yeah, you're like yeah you're uh, commentating on like local politics in the paper, uh, uh, going to town meetings and going to like town halls and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. I remember as a kid, we'd like tease you and be like, mom, like, why don't you just, why can't you just like sit back like the rest of them and just like be quiet or whatever we were saying. But I remember being embarrassed by that because if, oh my God, if your, your parents have any sort of like presence in the public eye, it's horrifying that people God would be able to recognize mother you. father
3: would write a letter for yeah. 12 to the local paper.
2: I mean, especially because you hold the dissenting opinion, uh, for the town, you know, like you were in the minority in your, um, political and social views. So I think we all, I mean, I just really didn't see the world in, you know, in those terms anyway, when I was a lot younger, but, Mm -hmm. um, as I've gotten older, I've definitely got, you know, gained an appreciation for that, that you've had a, uh, You've been vocal and had strong opinions that you stand by. And I remember going to a town hall and I think it was on like raising taxes or something like that to or support. town meeting, you mean? Yeah. 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 A town meeting to discuss possibly raising taxes to support funding a new school mm-hmm. or like maybe a new performing arts center or something like that. And there was this old curmudgeony guy who represented the the older people in town who didn't want to raise taxes because classically a lot of like conservative uh, older folks don't like a supporting education (laughs) in their Mm -hmm. old age. And I remember this one guy was basically saying, Oh, our school was falling apart. So they're going to like renovate it. And he was, he made some remarks that like, there's no evidence that like more windows uh, increases A child's uh, ability to learn something or like increases any, this doesn't enhance their experience. Like they don't need natural light. They don't need like proper toilets or whatever. There's (laughs) no evidence. And I think you got up there in front of like a packed auditorium. There was like, I think that place could hold a thousand people. Yeah. Yeah. And you said, "I know something or other, whatever his name is, likes hearing the sound of his own voice, or whatever." But
3: yeah, I, I kind of you, you burned
2: him, and people were Ooh. like,
3: "Ooh!"
2: <laughs> and then I think one of the moderators was like, "Okay, we have to settle down," or something. <laughs> but then you just like quietly walked back to your seat, yeah, and sat down. Um, yeah,
3: yeah, I think I said, was like, um, "What was it?" Um, I think. That no one likes hearing Mr. So and So's voice more than Mr. So and So. Yeah, that was it. Yeah,
0: I remember and that.
3: you know, and I got ripped in the paper for that that week, but <laughs> that's okay. That's yeah. all right. I think of that sometimes, and I, I, um, yeah. I mean, I, I think there were times that I, you know, um, one of the things I'm most proud of was when I worked on the housing authority and we fought to get um, a home in town for um, developmentally disabled adults and uh, I went to town meeting as the chair of the housing authority board at the time and and we fought for that and we got it and we built it and um, I'm very proud of that you know, that's definitely something I'm proud of that we did. So I remember
2: you doing a lot of work for the affordable housing mm-hmm. um, uh, projects and stuff like that. Um,
3: yeah. So I, I feel like not the those, projects,
2: but affordable housing projects.
3: Right. And, um, but I feel yeah. like those things were important, you know, because not only because they were the right things to do, but, I felt like those were, um, I, you know, those were ways that I showed you guys, um, you know, how, well, want to be, how to be civically engaged and how to, um, you know, get your opinion across, um, but also how to t- treat people, you know, how to um, people, you know, people who did not have as much as as we had and, and, and were more in need. And um, so I felt like my engagement in those kinds of things was, you know, in part because I wanted to show you guys that those were important things.
2: You yeah. Know? Yeah. The
3: other, the other thing I remember is that our local paper used to have a little, um, question of the week i don't know if you remember that but yeah i remember yeah you would have a photo of
2: each uh participant like three or four people who responded right
3: exactly they would ask a question and they would have like four or five people's pictures and so that was the time when um um uh marriage equality was on the ballot that was our the we were the first state to to, um, well, that, that was being discussed, it wasn't on the ballot. Um, but that was the question. Did we think that that question of marriage equality should be on the ballot? And three of the four people said yes, that it should be something that the voter should vote on. And I was the only person who said no, because that, that, that was guaranteed in the Constitution, and it's not something that needed to be voted on because people should have the right to marry whomever they want.
2: Well, not everyone's studying the Constitution like you are, Mom. That's no, that's no. The issue there.
3: But I was—I'm still remember that, and I'm very proud of that. The fact that I was the only person there um, who turned out to be right <laughs> in the long you run it. I did.
2: You knew so, who would uh, who would be serving on that at court at the right time when the question yeah, was posed. exactly no. You knew how but it would work out. There was yeah.
3: no guarantee, but but um, so but that you know, that was the kind of thing that I felt like um, you know, that was part of my job was to to be their role model for you guys.
2: Yeah. And I think as time has gone on, uh, we've only, you know, been able to appreciate it more. Especially as as these things, we've realized how they impact not just our lives, but everyone else's lives around us. As our mm-hmm. worldview gets larger, and you know, we get we gain a larger perspective, we see the true impact of of like engaging with your community.
3: Yeah, that. I mean, I was I was talking to a friend just today about how um, so many of your decisions, your your generation, um, you are making based upon whether you believe they are um, like racially just or um, environmentally um, uh, just. And, you know, uh, for example, you're being a vegan and deciding to do that. Um, oh,
2: whoa, whoa, whoa. I have not broken that news. Oh, oh no,
3: I'm, I'm, so, I'm, sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm just kidding. I'm so sorry. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but so, you know, being a vegan and, and doing that in a large part because of the effects on the environment that that. Um, Among other things. Farming yes. has um, and um and just you know uh, your decisions to um support uh, minority owned businesses um so i i think that those kinds of um decisions are being made by by people in your generation um because they believe that it's right and it's the right thing to do and um You know, and I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, um, your father and I had a little piece of, you know, um, influence and towards making you guys more aware of um, what's around you and and the effect that you have on the world.
2: Yeah. Um, You guys couldn't get it done yourselves, So you've passed it on to us. (laughs)
3: Yes. You've, you've passed we, the buck on to our generation. We, we totally.
2: I'm not we, blaming we you specifically. I know. But I know. it's you and everyone else who failed.
3: Yes, we basically. And uh,
2: now it's our job.
3: Yes. Uh, and we're very glad that you're taking the man picking up the mantle.
2: Yeah. I, I will say, uh, especially, I mean, my generation is, is full of great. Um, people who have a lot to offer the world. But I see even just like, it's not, I don't even think it's a different generation, but like Aiden's generation, three or four or five years younger than me, those are the true activists. Those kids are crazy. And they're willing to put their bodies on the line and quit their jobs and use social media and use all these tools more effectively and make larger sacrifices than I think, to a large extent, like, you know, the general population of like 30 year olds, like my age group, like, you know, mid, mid to late twenties. I just, just kind of just using my eyeballs. It seems like that group of people and younger seem to be willing to put everything on the line to make these changes. And I think it's just generally, that's how time works. Like each generation passes on, they try their best to pass on the best of themselves mm. and uh, work through the worst parts of themselves or like the worst parts of their childhood or their upbringing or whatever. So um, yeah, I, I, think, you know, every generation is always going to bring a little bit of progress in some way there.
3: But I would put you in his generation. You're only three years. Apart. I know.
2: I, I, yeah, I just feel like so much has changed so much changes from year to year that I do feel a gap even Mm -hmm. between my age and kids three to five years younger than me. Mm -hmm. They talk different. They use social media. They use their electronics differently. Um, like I, I do not like social media. Um, Mm -hmm. it makes me sick to my stomach makes my head hurt. Um, I only use the internet to Google like what a certain bug looks like that I just learned the name of or like what a cool fish looks like or I watch YouTube videos or some TV shows uh, or or to uh, hold Zoom calls.
3: Podcasts on YouTube, like Be A Man. Exactly. Yeah.
2: Be A Man Pod is the YouTube page, people. (laughs) Um, Okay, one more question to wrap this thing up. I don't know how long we've been going, um, but it feels like we've been going a while. Okay, this is a tough one, but I have to ask... Do you remember when you, air quotes, found that AOL conversation I had with a girl in my class when I was in like seventh or eighth grade and I asked her what her bra size was? (laughs) Do you remember finding that? No, I don't. You don't remember that? No. You stood at the bottom of the stairs while I was getting out of the shower and all I hear is... (laughs) And I go to the door, and you're saying, Jack Garrity, if you ever ask a girl what her bra size is again, something, something, like you can't ask that. It's so disrespectful.
3: And oh, that is funny.
2: I stood there and just tried. You must
3: have left it on the computer. I never would have gone searching for it. Oh
2: please! I, I
3: swear to God, I never ever <laughs> I mean, would I, like search that. I don't know. You must have left it up on the. Computer. I must
2: have. <laughs> I must have, but you definitely snooped too. So oh, it's a little I 50, 50.
3: If it was, there I can't believe you forgot you. that. <laughs> no. Um, I
2: don't. Yeah. Do you remember
3: it, the girl who don't say the name? but No. Do you remember? What? Yes, I
2: do. I did. That <laughs> was don't. my, that was my crush oh. at that time. Yeah.
3: And how and old I, were you?
2: I don't know. I was like 13 or
3: Oof. 14. God.
2: Mom, I was like how four rude. years into puberty by then. <laughs> I went through oh, puberty really? when I was nine or ten. Um, <laughs> I can't believe you don't remember that.
3: The girl, I can't believe it.
2: No, I mean she had been through puberty too. That's why I was asking. <laughs> <laughs> We're all traumatized. I think I traumatized uh, myself, you traumatized me. Apparently I didn't traumatize you. You moved on quite seriously.
3: I, I, I have. I think I've managed pretty well. Um, picked, I, yeah.
2: I wasn't traumatized. I was horrified. In that moment I remember being behind the bathroom door. Maybe I opened it and because you were like screaming at for me and I opened <laughs> the door and you the door bathroom door is right at the top of the stairs so I opened the door and looked down at you at the bottom of the stairs and you were still screaming about me. Asking that girl that question, and I, what can you say? So I just, I think I just tried to die. I, (laughs) like, without actively doing anything to kill myself, I tried to see if I could just suffocate myself by not breathing, to see if I could just die, (laughs) and get out of that moment. You
3: were mortified. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So I mean, I wanted to ask you if you were horrified or proud or worried but you don't even remember the situation. I
3: do not remember that. Well, I'm glad I brought it up. <laughs> See, the things we think of that we think are so important. No this one is one really of the defining remembers. moments
2: of my childhood. And you're like, I don't know what that is. I'm like, my mom learned something about me that day that I had no intention of her learning. And you don't give a fuck.
3: No, I didn't. Yeah. I do remember when you
2: oh God. Um,
3: were uh, oh. You were allowed to take the class hamster home when you were in fourth grade. Oh, and okay. We thought that the cat ate it, but
2: the cat had taken the lid off the container and we no, woke up to it. No, the cat
3: didn't do that. Somebody didn't put the lid back on very tightly, I think. And the hamster got out.
2: Well, it was okay. Yeah. I, I don't know what <laughs> happened. <laughs> All I remember is that I thought I had killed the gerbil or whatever it was. Oh, whatever it, lo- it, it looked was. like a, I can't a mouse. I It
3: could have been a. Gerbil, it looked like a mouse.
2: Funny enough, we named it after our cat. We our class decided on a name. It was this little black gerbil, uh, and as a class, we decided on the name Ebony for the gerbil
3: you because did? it was
2: black. Yeah, I put it up as one of the names to be decided on, oh,
0: and we I chose didn't it.
2: Remember that. And we, and we had two cats, two black cats, back to back, both named Ebony.
3: <laughs> weird, weird yes. things, but Yes.
2: it is a beautiful word. I do like the word Ebony. It's a mm-hmm. pretty word. Um, uh, yeah. And that yeah. was terrible. But then we found, you found the gerbil. It was hiding in a hole in the wall.
3: Yes. He was hiding a hole in the wall and the cat was sitting in front of the sink waiting to pounce so I got the cat that was in the bathroom. So I got the cat out of the bathroom and I mm-hmm. enticed the gerbil with some lettuce mm-hmm. and was able to get it. And, and then put it I think back. it. In I think game. it
2: soon died months later from like, it was just, its hair started falling out. I think it had a stress disorder after oh, that. Oh,
3: yeah. Well, being it, handled by four, fourth it's grade. It's also
2: not the best situation.
3: Yeah, yeah. Children and, oh God, yeah. We're
2: doing horrible things to it, like squeezing it. And like, oh, we all got to take it home on the weekends. and
3: Right. And who knows what you guys did with it. Oh I mean, my God. You know, like what are you the, saying? <laughs> I mean, like, I'm talking about like, you know. Per- way too young for the
2: gerbil up the butt
3: (laughs) trope i'm talking about subjecting it to the stress of a larger animal chasing it around i have to make it
2: filthy i have to
3: yeah really with your mother i mean god Just because
2: of my superior spatial awareness i'm truly disturbed
3: (laughs) oh please (laughs)
2: um okay well the
3: the other thing that you haven't done yet is you have not done any of your impressions on the show on yeah, I, I'm waiting for
2: that. I know you've always been waiting for that. <laughs> uh, my whole life, Jack do Jim Carrey. Jack do. I don't. I don't perform. Do
3: Harry Carrey. Harry. Carrey.
2: Uh, I could do Harry Carrey. <laughs> I know uh, you can. <laughs> oh, I might do Harry Carrey. Let me let me think of something here.
3: <laughs>
2: Would you eat the moon if it were made of? Oh fuck, that sucks. <laughs> Hey! No, I got it. I got it. I got it. Hey! Would you eat the moon if it were made of buffalo
3: wings? (laughs) Oh gosh. All right.
2: Yeah. (laughs) That's a good place to end this talk. Yeah. So thanks for joining joining the Be a Man podcast, Mother.
3: Thanks for having me. The the final member of the immediate family of mm-hmm. course you saved the best for last
2: of course i just knew it would work out really well if we did this on mother's day we talked about motherhood perfect <laughs> nailed it been waiting for months to do it this way it's exactly oh, I how see. i planned it uh I yeah see. next now i'm going to go into the aunts and uncles and the cousins and then uh
3: oh, no i'm not that'll be interesting
2: no okay. none of them will be on here <laughs> um it'll end with
3: now, with you. now, they could be listening. I, mean, I love they them.
2: They'll never touch my podcast as long as they live. All right. I love you guys. Thank you.
3: They may be insulted, but...
2: I'm only okay. saying that to take a, a hard position. I don't actually mean it. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, so you can check out my mom's retirement business. She's retiring <laughs> in three days. I'm not going yeah. <laughs> to... That's so... Silly to call it your retirement business. It's your business that you're starting in retirement. Um, Touchstone Creations by Linda. She's on Instagram. She's on uh, general other people's minds. And um, (laughs) yeah, so check that out. She has cool uh, jewelry made from reused uh, pieces of jewelry that she's uh, had over the years and other vintage pieces that she makes herself. And uh photographs and um, and photo uh, greeting, greeting cards. cards yeah. Yep
0: mm-hmm.
2: and uh, yeah you can that's check good. out the BMAN podcast YouTube page, be a Man Pod. You could email us at BMN oh yeah, be a pod at gmail.com. <laughs> I forgot our email for a second. At b a at gmail.com. Wait, yep, that's it. Wow, okay. It's been a while since I mentioned that here, so I'm a little rusty. Beamanpod at gmail.com is our email. Please email us with thoughts, questions, ideas, and engage with the podcast. Okay. Thanks, Mom. It was nice talking to you.
3: Thanks, Jack. I love you.
2: I love you too, Mom. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Be a man is produced, designed, edited, and engineered by Jack Garrity. Music is composed by DJ Jazzy Juicy. Nothing is copyrighted, but please don't steal anything.
3: With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky
1: just about anywhere.
0: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
1: Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time.